Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Nittany Pod. I am your host, AP, and again, I have with me TK and Alex. On today's episode, we're going to break down the Purdue game, go over week one in college football, preview week two, and then go in-depth about Ohio. On Thursday, Penn State played Purdue, and boy, let me tell you, I came out of that game, first, first of all, I don't remember half of that night because I was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but two, I rewatched the game the uh, the next day on Friday, and I I still don't know how we actually won that game, which is which is interesting because really, you know, we should have won that game walking away, based off the score at halftime. But you know, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a roller coaster of emotion, for sure. Yeah. Um, very slow start to that game. Very conservative play calling. Uh, in the beginning of that game, you're up eleven at the half, feeling pretty good, and then doesn't really seem like the defense can fight their way out of a wet paper bag there during that third quarter and. Let's Purdue back into it takes a you know let's Purdue take a lead and then yeah the fourth quarter was just a completely different story in a lot of ways yeah I um you know I think that's the Penn State that I'm used to seeing on openers <laughs> um you know I I would also like to point out that my assessment of how this game would go was correct yes um and we argued about it at length. Yeah, the game was never going to be a blowout. It was never going to be 14, 17 plus. It wasn't that. Um, we should have probably lost this game. Um, but in retrospect, we saw something we've never seen before. Um, as far as Sean um, going, taking us down the field to win the game. Obviously, McSorley had his moment at Iowa. And now Sean has his at Purdue. Um I would second everything Alex said as far as the conservative play going. I thought the whole first quarter was boring as shit. Uh, I thought it was basic. It was boring. They pushed the 100-yard rusher narrative, which hurt them in the long run because they obviously can't run the ball. Um, so, yeah, it, it was interesting for sure, but obviously happy to uh, come away with the win and almost feel better coming away with a win the way we did rather than it being a blowout, to be honest. Yeah, and, y- you know – I, first of all, I saw a lot of people mentioning after the game throughout the weekend that that kind of win feels like something that can push Penn State to a good season. Obviously, we'll see if that happens, but that was a really, really tough win. And like you said, Tyler, that's a game that we, we probably should not have won. Um, like I mentioned earlier, at halftime, I was feeling very good about the score. Obviously, you know, it was it was inflated because we just scored a couple seconds before the the buzzer. Uh-huh. Um, but it was an eleven point game going into halftime, and I and I was thinking to myself, man, this. All right, this is pretty good. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like you said, that the defense um, had its struggles in the third quarter. I, I mentioned this after the game, and I I still think it's true. And you can argue with me on this if you want. I think this was a big game of testing waters. Um, you had a new DC, you had a new defense coordinator in Manny Diaz, who played twenty three players. That's that's two whole defenses plus one. Um, so you could tell that he was he was trying different looks, different things, you know, different personnel looks, trying to see what worked and what didn't. Um, on yeah. offense, obviously. They tried. They really, really tried to establish the running game and and figure out who was going to be that lead back. They didn't get that answer in week one, um, but it wasn't bad. Um, I I just think I just think there was a lot of testing stuff out this first week. Well, we got the test of Caden Wallace. Now I don't want to ever see it again. <laughs> well, let's 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 dive into this a little bit since we're talking about it. Um, I thought. 
I guess there's other fan bases that probably do this, but maybe it's because I know more Penn State fans than I know other fan bases, but I've, I've never experienced a fan base that was so um, just moaning and bitching and complaining and oh this and all oh, that and oh we're gonna be you know five and seven uh after a win on the road in week one on a thursday night against a big 10 opponent um like sean sean clifford was 20 for 37 for 200 and i think 82 or 87 yards four touchdowns and a pick with six right. drops not right with yeah. six with six drops not bad numbers at all without again a running game was the interception egregious and a bad throw yeah it was did he miss some throws yes he did but I mean, the, the, the bottom line in all of it is whether you like Sean Clifford or you don't, which it seems like 85% of the fan base doesn't. Um, he came out after throwing a terrible interception that at the time was the game-winning touchdown and led a, a – I don't even know how far the drive actually was, but led a drive where he was 6 for 7 for 80 – what, 82, 87 yards and a touchdown – and and yet we're still just just completely bashing the kid because he's not good enough. He's not this. He's not that. And we still want Drew Allar after seeing him for for uh, what six plays, um, four throws. You know, I hate to tell everybody, but Drew Allar probably doesn't win you the game on Thursday night. Um, I could be completely wrong. Maybe he does. But in my opinion, a true freshman on the road in that environment, in that situation, doesn't go out and have the drive that Sean Clifford have, has. So, well, we, we were, we were winning, right? When, when Drew came in. Right. Yeah, we were. With the interception. Uh, yeah. Not throw Alex off his point here, right? Like not to steal Alex and what he's doing here. It's, but with Drew Alar, it also can be said he had a chance, and, and to Alex's point, winning the game, the situation, right? Can he do that? We were winning at this point of the game. It was a crucial third down. Tinsley was running open on a crosser, and he, he could have, A, ran for the first down, or B, just hit Tinsley, and he threw the ball five yards behind him. So does Sean make bad throws? Yes. Did Drew make a bad throw? Yes. Did he make a great throw to Tyler Warren? Yes. But I agree with Alex 100% in that situation that the sixth-year person who's seen it all, done it all, there's no one better to do that than Sean. Yeah. And uh, like like was pointed out to us, um, we, we all were drooling and oozing and doing whatever over the Drew Allar throw to um, – I'm sorry, Drew Aller throw to Tyler Warren. And it was pointed out to us that Mitch Tinsley was wide open on that play. So, yes, while that throw was absolutely gorgeous, it was the wrong decision. So, yeah, which, I, I agree that he probably would not have won the game for us. Which which is not – which which none of this is us bashing the true freshman seeing his first college snaps, right? Like that's, right. Part oh my God, of the, no. that's part of the process. Those things are going to happen and will continue to happen. Um, probably will continue to happen against Ohio uh, this Saturday. But my, my bigger point is, is for the love of God, can we give Sean Clifford some fucking credit when he deserves the credit? The kid has, the kid has been through everything. And has the kid been perfect since he got here? No, absolutely not. And Sean would probably be the first one to tell you that. But when the kid comes out and 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 gives you a game-winning drive to win on the road in week one against a Big Ten opponent, give the fucking kid some credit. I mean, for for God's sakes, like what what is it gonna take? Like, 
I swear Sean Clifford could come out, win the Heisman Trophy, win the national title, and half this fucking fan base would still hate him. Because yeah. he's been Alex. here for three years. Like, it, it, it blows my mind. It's annoying. It's frustrating. Is some of the criticism warranted? Of course. And there's always going to be criticism with a quarterback. But we can't even give this kid credit when he does something good. He wasn't perfect, but he was perfect when he needed to be. It drives me. It drives me bonkers. I, I mean, I, I told you guys before we started recording, I was going to go on a rant about this because I, I don't get it. Um, if we want to talk about something that's actually going to matter for the rest of the year, let's talk about the fact that our running backs and this bullshit running backs by committee that James Franklin thinks he needs to run uh, had 27 or 28 carries for 92 yards. Lee, I will say, though, what Lee did was great for for Lee. How many times did you see Lee catch a pass out of the backfield last year? Yeah. So that was that was fantastic to see. It was a great play design. And and you know what? This goes back to this game was a trial by error kind of thing. Seeing what works and and figuring out what what you can run with. Because if you go back and look at the look at some of the holes that the offensive line was opening up, there were there was definitely some room to run, more than there was last year. Okay. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying it was amazing or anything like that. But there was definitely some holes that were that were created, and there were a few times where either just the wrong decision was made on whether you know on what hole to hit, or there's a there's a play from Kevon Lee that sticks out in my mind where just the burst was not there. You got to figure that out. Figure out who's going to have the best burst. Who's going to figure? Who's going to hit the hole the right way, and run with them because. I'll tell you what, there were some holes on Thursday that were missed. I mean, they need to break tackles. Like, yeah, th- that's that's become more and more glaring as as the woes continue on the ground. You continue to, you know, look deeper into the magnifying glass to really pay attention to it. And whether there's holes, whether there's not holes, they need to break tackles. And and they haven't done a good job at that. I think. You know, Katron Allen runs hard. Like, he, he runs violently, to be honest. Like, he's falling forward for yards. Singleton was falling forward for yards. I didn't see Kavion Lee falling forward for yards. And I don't I don't need to see Kavion Lee in, in a running back rotation just to say we're rotating backs. I, I just don't want to see the rotation last all year round. I don't want to. I don't think it can. I, I think if you have a rotation for the entire year, the running game never gets going, ever. Because let's think about this. You, you're rotating three running backs. Um, let's just say the rotation is Lee Singleton Allen, like it, like it has been. Okay, so Lee comes in. Penn State went, what, three and out, I think, their first drive. Singleton comes in. His first run goes for, like, I think seven or eight yards. Yep. Nine yards. Uh, yeah. Pick up. We might have picked up a first down that drive. You know. Yep. Uh, Singleton maybe touched the ball three, four times. Then Allen comes in. Same thing. But my bigger point here is how in the world good running backs in the NFL get what twenty to twenty-five carries per game. The most touches that any of our running backs had was less than fifteen. I think it was ten or eleven. Yep. How in the world do you expect a running back? And I don't care who it is. Pick one. I don't care if it's Lee, Singleton, or Allen. How in the world do you expect a running back to, to, to gain any type of momentum or traction by only touching the football 10 times in yeah. four quarters? It is not going to happen. James Franklin was asked this question post game, and whoever the reporter was that had the balls big enough to ask it, good for you. I don't know what your name is, but good for you. Because James visibly did not like the question and basically shrugged the reporter off and said, no, 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 uh, we know more football than you do. Yeah. Trust us, right? Um, if we thought there was something better to do, we would do it. Well, James, it's not working. It's not working. I mean, Nick Singleton is arguably your most talented back. I think Correct. we can all agree on that, right? Correct. Yeah. With the current running back rotation, Nick Singleton might not touch the ball for a whole f- – a whole quarter 
depending yeah. on how the game goes, right? You have two Penn State drives where he's not going to be on the field, depending on how long they last. And then you're going to have two opposing team drives. I mean, Jesus, I, it could be he could have touched the ball last in the second quarter, and he's not going to touch it again till the start of the third. And you had halftime in there. I mean, you could be talking an hour, almost two hours, where he's just not touching the football. Yeah. But yet we think I, – I, not us necessarily because I think you guys both agree that the rotation is is asinine and stupid. Um, but, I, but, but our staff thinks that these kids are, are going to be able to, to really turn it up again and, and get going after they've sat for an hour? There's no, there's no shot that they actually think that. Like I, like I said earlier. But Franklin said it. Yeah, yeah, I know. But there's there's he's got to be posturing because there's no there's no fucking chance that you can sit up there and tell me that you think putting a running back in for one drive and then another running back in for another drive and then a third running back in for another one. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to throw in a fourth guy here and there. Yeah, it's going to amount to anything because it's it's fucking not. There is no hot hand bullshit that he's been feeding for the last three years. There's none of that. If that was the case, he doesn't fucking feed the hot hand. Yeah, that that that's not that's not a real thing for fucking James Franklin. So I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing whoever wins the job. I'm I'm tired of hearing that, dude. I'm tired of it. I mean, do we think it's it? Do we think it's we need to we need to give Lee carries because Lee is the the upperclassman and Lee's been here the longest and you know the younger guys. I I fully understand and, and can appreciate the fact that you want to keep your running backs fresh, right? I yeah. I get that part, but if Nick Singleton's on the field for three plays and Penn State goes three and out and he never touched the ball, I'm pretty sure Nick Singleton's probably still fresh the next time you go on the field. If you mm-hmm. want to have a, a running back stable, a true running back stable, here's how you do it. First of all, you're going with Nick fucking Singleton as the as the back. Okay. Yeah. You you take Nick Singleton, start him off in the backfield. Okay. Drive down the field. If it comes to a situation where it's third and eight, third and nine, you're in a situation where you have to pass. Kevon Lee goes into the game. Because he is the best pocket protector. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then if you pick up that first down and you get inside the red zone, now it's time for fat man. That's how it should work. Nick is your guy. Fat man is your red zone guy or goal line guy. If you want to even, you know, decrease it even more. And then Kevon Lee is your pass pro. That's it. That's how, that's how you swing it. It just it's we we've done this for a couple years now, and we've really done it since kind of like since Barkley left. Yeah. I guess we didn't. I guess we didn't do it a ton when Miles was there, but Miles got rotated since more nineteen. Than yeah, we. I mean, Miles got rotated more than Barkley ever did, obviously. Um, and our running game has been dreadful since those two. So <laughs> something's got to change. Um, I have no clue if it will. Uh, I know Franklin said in his post game that, you know, expect the same rotation at running back against Ohio. So, you know, buckle up, which for, I figured buckle up for, you know, all the guys to get less than 15 carries a pop. Uh, I guess we just hope, man, but I think it's I think it's bogus. I think it's dreadful. It, it needs to go away. Yeah. Let's let's move on to to some of the more positive stuff about the game because you know we did win. Yeah. <laughs> we just we just went on a pretty long tangent bitching, but fact is we did win the game. Um, so a couple things I want to point out here. First of all, Mitchell Tinsley is that dude. He is he he is so good. His first catch as a Nittany line goes for a touchdown. Then he has that huge catch on third down in the fourth quarter on the last drive and uh, makes a guy miss. The kid is a stud. He had seven catches, 84 yards, and, of course, had that touchdown, like I mentioned. Um, Singleton and Allen, we just talked about them at length, but, you know, they didn't have many yards. They they had 31 yards each, um, but both of them, their first carry went for nine yards, and you could just see some of the – 
some of the hype behind them in those carries. Uh, the team set a program record for, for pass breakups with 16 in the game. Joey Porter Jr. had six, which I don't know if that's a Penn State record or not, um, but uh, Pro Football Focus tweeted a graphic that said that is, the, that is the most an FBS player has had since they started tracking pass breakups. Um, so <laughs> that was pretty impressive. And then Barney Moore. What an absolute stud he was on Thursday. There was a huge question mark on how the punting game would look, losing Jordan Stout. And Barney Amore came in and averaged a cool 50 yards a punt, four of them going over 50 yards, and then he had three dropped inside the 20. The dude was just a rock all night. Should have had four dropped inside the 20. Are you counting the one that we absolutely just messed up? I don't think that counts, yeah. So, yeah, it should have been four. Who was that, Keaton Ellis? Oh, I don't know. It was no, that was Hardy. I think I have no clue how he messed it up, though. Um, but yeah, let's. I guess we can talk about the defense a little bit because I I do feel even though they gave up, technically they only gave up twenty four points. Correct. I I do think they were they were good. Um, I think the pass rush had a little bit to be desired. I expected a little bit more out of them. Um, they got home when it mattered. Um, obviously, Chop ends the game with a sack. There was another pretty big sack there in the fourth quarter, too. Um, Johnny Dixon came up with a big sack. So, you know, they got home when it mattered, but I expected a little bit more push from that defensive line. I didn't really see that. I thought the secondary, secondary relatively played, played well. Um, I mean, Aiden O'Connell threw it for you know, 58 times that you're going to give up yards. I thought they played soft a lot, but they also pressed a lot more than I think we've ever seen than I ever remember Brent Pry pressing Uh uh, his, his corners. So, so yeah, I, for, listen, for the amount of players that they rotated and for the amount of young guys that we actually saw, I thought that defense was, was really solid. Um, you're, you're playing probably the second best quarterback in the big 10 arguably, and he's going to sling it and he's going to make some throws. And he, obviously he missed some throws too there in that game, but yeah, Joey Porter jr. Was solid. I thought it was amazing that Purdue kept attacking him. Uh, I didn't think that was the right call, but even when they tried to attack, you know, Kalen King, Daquan Hardy had a, very underrated performance that didn't really get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Thought he was really good. Yeah. Even, even Johnny Dixon was, was solid. I, I mean, for, for the guy that we talked about in the secondary was really the guy that you didn't hear much from. And that was, that was take, like he was pretty quiet. Um, like he was there. He made, he made it some plays, but you know, Joey Porter jr. Was all over the place. Um, yeah, so so kind of interesting, and and then the linebackers did did what they needed to do. I, I didn't I didn't look at the linebackers and think, oh boy, like this is this is really going to be a, a soft spot for this defense. I I thought they were solid. Too. Yeah, yeah. I I was telling uh, Tyler before you came on here, Alex, <laughs> Jonathan Sutherland, man, he had himself a pretty solid game. Not gonna lie, he looked pretty good. He had a sack. Um, he had a couple big, big plays there. He he almost had a second sack. Uh, he almost blocked a punt. Um, but yeah, I mean the defense played really well. I've I found it very interesting that Purdue attacked uh, Joey Porter Jr. as much as they did. Um, but the defense, I mean, you only gave up sixty-one yards on the ground. Eight or yeah, Aiden O'Connell threw it sixty times, and you only gave up one touchdown. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a damn good performance, even with that third quarter in there. Yeah, I, I just I think the Daquan Hardy thing is great. I think I think that's something we've lacked for a while, right? Maybe he did get beat off the line, um, but he capitalized on an underthrown ball, right? He recovered, got back to a spot, made a play on the ball, and it was a clean play on the ball, right? It wasn't handsy, it wasn't yep. grabbing, it was a clean play on the ball. So I think the secondary, you know, Aiden O'Connell was getting praised 
un, unreal before the game and, and after. And and he probably is the second best Big Ten in the quarterback. You know, I think I or second best quarterback in the Big Ten. I I think that I would feel comfortable saying that. Um, but realistically, at a fifty percent completion percentage and two for three hundred and fifty yards on sixty passing attempts, if if Clifford would have had a fifty percent completion percentage on on sixty passing attempts, I think our fan base would have imploded. So um, they did a great job. Um, I'm excited to see how they continue to develop throughout the year. I think Jair Brown was a little underwhelming uh, Thursday night, specifically in um, run support. I think he missed a lot of tackles. Um, that could be, you know, just week one though, right? You'll see that across the country. So I think everyone should be excited about the secondary. And I think um, that that won't be the thing that is questionable about Penn State's defense. I think that's going to be the run defense, obviously. And I know uh, PSU Everything put a graphic out on all the running backs we're going to face, and it's uh, not light to say the least. So um, that'll be where the uh, questions come up. Yeah. Well, and I think Tyler brings up a good point uh, with with bringing Tig down into the box, uh, trying to help support that running game. That was something that Brisker was just super, super good at, right? Yep. You could you could drop him into that front seven, and it was like having a front eight now. Um, Tig was never really that guy. Um, maybe they'll ask him to be that guy more, and and it'll be interesting to see if he can step up to that. And I'm not saying he needs to be as good as good at it as Brisker was because I think Brisker was one of the better ones we've seen at that mm-hmm. but uh but yeah it's t- definitely and it'll be interesting if he if he can't manage that do they try and drop somebody else down uh but but we'll see as as the year moves on for that by yeah. the way shout out to Zaki Wheatley for living up to that takeover king yeah he, he yeah huge, fantastic. huge play right oh my I god mean, I mean and if you rewatch that play I don't think I realized that he was in man um, during that play and ran the whole way across the football field before making the play. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just a heck of a play. Um, so yeah, good for him. Please play him over Reed and Ellis, please. Yeah. He's always around the ball. He said it himself. Just play him over them. It's okay. No hey, Ellis. Be upset. Ellis had a good game too. He had four uh, pass breakups as well. Yeah, he also dropped the fucking interception and was the one who fucked it on the punt. So, well, I mean, Joey <laughs> dropped. Joey dropped an interception too. So, okay, well, Joey's was in the first quarter. Keaton's <laughs> was to end the game, pretty much. So, yeah, the last drive. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move into a week one review, and then we're going to talk about week two real quick. Um, you know, it it was pretty cool being able to sit back the rest of the weekend and just kick your feet up and watch some college football, knowing your team already came out and won. Um, and there was, it was chaotic throughout the weekend. First of all, Thursday night while we were playing Oklahoma state played central Michigan, our third, or I'm sorry, our fourth game this year. And they won 58 to 44. Now that score is a little bit deceptive because I think it was 58 to 21 or 51 21 before Oklahoma State took the uh, you know took their foot off the gas. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> that was a pretty close game. Pitt ended up beating West Virginia. Unfortunately, that was a really tight game, but um, you know they had a few things swing their way. And the James Franklin Coordinator Bowl. Old Dominion and Virginia Tech. Old Dominion pulls off the upset after Virginia Tech comes out looking pretty solid. Um, yeah, it just kind of – the wheels kind of fell off there for Virginia Tech. Um, in other news, Iowa sucks. Their offense is absolute garbage. <laughs> God, that was Brian, Brian Ferentz. Brian Ferentz should be fired. Um, Please. Your, your defense scored more points than – your offense did against South Dakota State. Mm. I saw some Iowa fans trying to make the excuse, oh, what's the second best FCS team in the country? Um, I don't give a fuck what it is. It's an (laughs) FCS team, and you scored three points on offense at home. Yeah. Uh, So please spare me the excuses and fire Brian Ferentz like you should have last year. Years Uh, ago. It's dreadful. Oh, well, this is just Iowa. 
this is just Iowa football. Uh, okay, well, you're you're not going to win a Big Ten game if that's your offense. Well, thank God I'm not a fucking fan. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to win a Big Ten game. I, I mean, that's that's dreadful. Also, let me say this. And I don't know if this is going to come across well. I don't know. If, if you listen to this with your kids or something, just go ahead and put their your hands over their ears. Anybody who's <laughs> gassed in Iowa and talking about their offense and what it can be, and then can sit there and dog Sean Clifford, you can suck my whole dick with that. That, that is awful. Like, what Alex said, he did you a favor by why what the way he was explaining that just now. That game is a fucking embarrassment. You should be embarrassed by your – you should be embarrassed. You did that at home. You couldn't even score a fucking touchdown at home. That is embarrassing. Two safeties, and you if you don't have those two safeties, you lose the damn game. And you know what? They got fucking bailed out, too, because uh, South Dakota State missed a wide-open receiver streaking down the sideline at one point, too. So. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm a little nervous about the Ohio and Central Michigans of the world this year. But, I mean, for fuck's sake, dude, like, you're at home. You can't even score a fucking touchdown? And you're talking about Sean Clifford? Are you kidding? Meanwhile, um, Charlie Jones is an Iowa transfer, and – Looked like a uh, a freaking award winner. Just um, had 153 yards. I owe, yeah, I owe Charlie an apology. You know, I was. I do too. I was slandering Iowa's skill players. Granted, the rest of them do fucking suck, and I'll stand on that. Um, <laughs> but Charlie Jones, you know, he he found the holes all night long in Penn State's defense. So you know, credit to him again. Iowa fans, you're fucking abysmal. You know, that's that's just that more. <laughs> relative to you like that's just embarrassing that guy leaves your stagnant ass jv high school team offense and goes to purdue with aiden o'connor his high school buddy or whatever the fuck gus johnson was fucking peewee buddy or whatever gus johnson was drooling about on national television he goes for a (laughs) buck 30 last thing for me on that game gus johnson and joel clatt you fucking sucked on thursday night you are awful it yeah, that was so underwhelming weird. broadcast I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I, I, I really am a, I really am, I, I, I will still call myself a fan of Joel Klatt. Um, I was never a fan of Gus Johnson, but I agree with Tyler. That announcing crew was that was brutal. Um, yeah, like what it the seemed fuck? like it seemed like every single time Penn State had a penalty or Penn State had a penalty in their favor. It was Joel Klatt saying, well, Penn State got bailed out again. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, you really brought into light pass interference and holding and grabbing and all that kind of stuff, which is the worst thing to do because pass interference is argued about enough as it is. Um, Gus Johnson barely even reacted when Mitchell Tinsley scored that first touchdown, and he usually screams about, um, you know, somebody taking a drink of water. So, Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that broad- Brenton Strange is streaking to the end zone and all he goes is touchdown Penn State. I'm like, that's it? Yeah. That's I, all he, you can give me? Even 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 the fucking game winning touchdown. Now he, he had some energy with that, but it still wasn't like for that situation, you would have thought he'd give a Barkley wheel route touchdown call. Bro, but when Charlie and it wasn't half comes- that. When Charlie Jones is wide open in the middle of the zone for a 15-yard reception, oh, Chuck we're going Sizzle. nuts. Fucking yeah, I was never God, a fan of Gus, so of Gus Johnson, but um, let's talk about Ricky Ronnie getting getting that big win uh, for for Old Dominion. I I feel bad for Brent Pry, but at the same time, I'm I'm super excited for Ricky Ronnie. Took that team from I believe what was a what a one in. Start last year to being bowl eligible, and now you start this year with a win. Granted, I know Virginia Tech's not the best P5 school in the world at the moment, but it still is a P5, and you just won. So, respectfully, Brent Pye's staff that he assembled besides the offensive line coach from Wisconsin is horrid. Well, he's just going to have a lot to a lot of ground to make up there at Virginia Tech. He didn't have much in the cupboard there. I love Tyler Bowen. He's not an offensive coordinator, dude. Like, no, he did it for one game in the Cotton Bowl. But, but yeah. hey, shout shout out Ricky. I mean, good for him. That's that's a big win for Old Dominion. Yeah. 
Florida State got themselves a huge win over. Uh, I guess technically it was last night as record as we are recording this on Monday. Um, North Carolina and got into a huge, huge shootout against App State. God, that game was very fun to watch. Yeah. Um, didn't I see App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter? Or 40 points in the fourth quarter, yeah. Yeah, Mac Brown, it, it might be time to assemble a different defensive coordinator, but. Yeah. Yeah, they, they asked him after the game. They said, what the hell did we just watch? And he goes, you watch, you watch two great quarterbacks right there. It's like, no, you watch two fucking terrible defenses and two very, very piss poor coaching calls uh, there with the onside kick. Um. But moving on, Rutgers got themselves a nice win, uh, down a few men on the road at Boston College. North Carolina State, <laughs> Tyler was at this game, barely squeaks by ECU, depending on a couple missed kicks there at the end. Yeah. Florida um, edged Utah. Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Let me yeah, let me hear about your experience. speak on this game for a second. First off, it was a phenomenal atmosphere in Greenville, North Carolina on fucking Saturday. All right, let's let's go ahead and put that out there. Was there a situation where they went, ran out of water at the stadium? Absolutely. That did happen. Oh. Thirdly, NC State should be fucking mauled in the AP poll tomorrow for what they did. Absolutely mauled. Devin Leary is not a Heisman quarterback. Their secondary is atrocious. And the skilled players resemble something of a Texas high school football team. It should be it, – it, they should blow it up. They should I think, blow it all up. I think there's a couple teams that should be – uh, mauled in the in the rankings tomorrow, but we can get to that a little bit later. But props, I yeah. mean, Houston, Houston, who's ranked in what snuck by UTSA on uh, Saturday, they play East Carolina this year. Maybe East Carolina is going to be the one who ruins the season this year. Who knows? Could be. Yeah. Old Dominion, Ricky Ronnie plays ECU next week. Who knows? Yep. Yep. And uh, what last game I want to mention? Obviously, we didn't talk about the big one yet. Ohio State Notre Dame. Boy, that game was pretty shocking for, I mean, just in general. That game was shocking. Well, if you listen to OSU fans all week, yeah, it's going to be shocking. Yeah. 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 Um, I see it a little differently as, as, a, as a Penn State fan, right? As, as a fan of the school in the Big Ten who's going to have to play Ohio State, I, I would much rather watch them throw the ball around um, in a passing game than see them dominate someone on the ground. Because if you have to handle both on the ground and in the air, that's going to be a real problem for us. So if I was an Ohio State fan, which I clearly am not, I would have been fine with that. Now, there's people freaking out over this and saying, you know, Ryan Day's pass offense sputters again. And I'm just like, I mean, I, I think those people are nuts. Like, I, I don't I don't understand. They beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame does have a good defense. Notre Dame has had a good defense. Like, they played a good team. They won by 10. They moved forward. Well, well here's here's the other thing is obviously a guy that hates both Notre Dame and Ohio State. Um, Notre Dame is a physical football team and are built that way, right? Like mm -hmm. big dudes, big dudes along that offensive line always have a pretty good front seven. And Ohio State took the ball and drove it what, I think it was like 14 plays, had it for seven minutes, and scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter, mostly on the ground. Yeah. I mean, you just physically dominated what is a physical football team. That's, <laughs> as a non-fan of the Buckeyes, that's concerning to me uh, for exactly the same reason Tyler said. But, you know, I think Ohio State fans need to remember that Yes, C.J. Stroud is a very good quarterback, and you have a lot of talent surrounding C.J. Stroud. But there might be a little bit of growing pain with your with your outside guys. Yeah. And I'm not saying that because they're not talented. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying it just because they're young and haven't played a ton of football. I mean, you, you lost two first-round wide receivers in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. That is a massive hole to fill, right? <laughs> I don't care if you have JSN back or not, which is obviously a huge piece of this, but um, Marvin Harrison Jr. Hasn't, hasn't played a ton of really, really meaningful football, right? Um, same for Ibuka, same for Fleming, if he ever uh, you know, gets healthy. So 
none of this means that I don't think Ohio State, you know, isn't going to win the Big Ten or something. I, they're still easily the most talented team in the conference. But there could be some growing pains there. Now, on the other side of that, I thought that defense looked completely different than it did last year. Uh, faster, quicker, more aggressive, um, like Jim Knowles' footprint all over it already. And that, to me, is super concerning <laughs> for, for us as Penn State fans because we all know you're most likely going to have to score points. Um, and, and if that defense can continue to get better, uh-oh. I, um, I look at, you know, obviously, yes, you guys are <laughs> completely right. Ohio State looked great. Um, but I also look at it uh, from the perspective of it's game one. And there's there are a lot of people who think Notre Dame isn't going to be that that great of a team this year. So w- we'll see how that ends ends up uh, turning out, obviously. It was a good win for Ohio State. Defense looked solid. The running game with Mayan Williams looked pretty good. Um, you didn't – Travion Henderson didn't blow anybody away. Obviously, JSN was uh, hurt for most of the game. We got to see what happens there. He'll be fine, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I we'll see. We'll see. Good signs for Ohio State in week one, but we will see. Um, I my, my biggest thing here is we heard all offseason how Ohio State's going to drop 60-plus, 50-plus on Notre Dame. They're going to beat them by 30-plus. All this, all that. Bullshit. Well, to, to be and honest, then, it's just – And it's Notre just, Dame was winning until the middle of the third quarter. Yeah, no, it's just Ohio State fans having too big of heads, right? No, it's not, no. It's, it's, it, hasn't, it hasn't just been Ohio State fans. It's been other fans. It's been analysts. Every everybody has been talking a lot of shit, saying it's, Ohio State is going to come not, out and blow everybody out. It's they're going to average fifty points a game. It's not giving Notre Dame enough credit, um, including myself. I I didn't think it would be as close as it was. I mean, I guess eleven points isn't that that got awfully close, but or whatever the final score was. Um, but yeah, I I I didn't I didn't think the true freshman on the road against Ohio State was going to perform like he did. Um, and he proved me wrong. And and Notre Dame's defense played generally well that entire game. So, yeah, um, Notre Dame was probably rightfully ranked a top five team in the country, which I know some people didn't think was was the case. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see about everything. It was it was a good it was a good uh, first first win for Ohio State for sure, though. Um, but let's look. At, well, first of all, before we go into week two, how does Penn State look in the polls this week? Polls <laughs> should be coming out tomorrow. Mm. Will Penn State be ranked? We were, I think, 29th in the AP poll, 27th in the coaches. Had a couple of ranked teams lose. A good um, win on the road. Penn State will not be ranked tomorrow. Alex? I would probably agree with Tyler. I think it, I think it's possible. That they could be. Um, well, and the only reason I say that is, you know, like Houston didn't play super well, but got the win. Um, Michigan State didn't play really well, but still got the win. And they were probably ranked too high anyway to, to fall out of the top 25. Um, Utah lost. It'll be interesting to see where they fall to with, with a loss. Um you know, Florida will probably be ranked because it's an SEC school and SEC schools get ranked immediately after, a, you know, a ranked win. Um, well, here's the thing. First off, Florida should be ranked. They, they beat Utah, which is a big win for them. Um, second off, the reason Penn State <clears throat> will be ranked if they are. Cincinnati lost, so they're going to be out. They lost to Arkansas. The reason Penn State would be in it, because if you look at the AP poll when it comes out with the graphic of all the voters, that graphic is done in a like an algorithm, right, on a point system. And there was a lot of people, someone had Penn State as high as eight, and then some had them as high as 25. So I calculated it, and there was 29 votes in total for Penn State. Now, the point system is different per you know how high or how low you rank them. 
but they were only not on, I think, five ballots. So if Penn State did enough to get on those five ballots, and those people also had Cincinnati, Penn State will be ranked. It's it's that simple. If they're on those ballots, they'll be ranked. If those five people think Penn State beating Purdue is a good win, and it is a good win, they will be ranked. That That's it. So I we are 29th. Ahead of us, not ranked. We have Iowa, Texas, and Tennessee. I'd say we looked better than Iowa and Texas this past week. Um, like you mentioned, Cincinnati we definitely lost. looked better than fucking Iowa. Well, I yeah. don't look better than Texas. I mean, Texas and Tennessee just played nobody. That's that's the only argument we have for for that. Yeah, yeah. Cincinnati you know, it, just lost. So it is, we but- would need two or three. We would need to rightfully jump two or three people here uh to make it happen i mean it is what it, i i don't really care uh i i don't think rankings should come out until like week six or seven anyway because like yes penn state got a good win um there's still a lot of questions around penn state there's still a lot of questions around all these teams right like michigan state looked awful for most of that game um are they really the 15th ranked team in the country right now yeah probably not um, but, but yet then Florida goes, they're unranked and gets a win against a team that's ranked seventh. So like all this shit is so fluid, especially these first couple weeks, because teams, teams are still growing, learning all that, all that stuff. Right. I mean, Oregon was ranked 11th and got absolutely destroyed, but it was Georgia. So how bad is that? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think preseason and, and rankings are, are bullshit. They shouldn't come out until week seven or eight. Yeah. Penn State, so if, they goes, if they're ranked, great. If not, I don't really care. If Penn State goes on to beat Ohio, they'll be ranked strictly so they can be ranked going into Auburn to set up that storyline if Auburn wants to win. Yeah, and plus there's there's a few matchups on here that's going to set – or, you know, this upcoming weekend that's going to set them up to possibly move a few other spots. And um, I want to get into that real quick. Um, so week two outlook, we've got some pretty decent games. Um, nothing amazing like week one. However, there are some interesting matchups. Um, starting off Friday night, you have Louisville at UCF, which was a really good game last year. And then, uh, Boise state is at New Mexico. That's, that will probably be a blowout. Louisville UCF is a good game there Friday. And then on Saturday, you've got South Carolina at Arkansas, which has some, uh, intrigue there. Of course, with you know, you know Rattler and just the way Arkansas looked last week, um, Alabama, Texas. Of course, everybody's been talking about that this off season. Battle of the Nerds, Duke, Duke and Northwestern, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tennessee at Pitt. That's that's an interesting game. That's one that I'm circling because if Tennessee can pull that one off, what it it can go either way. We can get jumped by Tennessee, or we just jump Pitt and end up ranked. Um. But moving on, you got App State going to Texas A&M, who didn't look amazing this past weekend. So that might be that that could be a little scary for them. Um, Washington State at Wisconsin, Virginia at Illinois, as Tyler mentioned earlier, Old Dominion at ECU, Kentucky at Florida, USC at Stanford, Boston College at Virginia Tech, Baylor at BYU. What's sticking out to you guys? What's what's a couple games that you guys are going to be glued in on? And I know Alex, you're busy this weekend. Um, but if you were able to be a couch potato and sit down and watch some college football, what game would be, would you be zeroing in on? Um, out of interest, I don't. I'm probably I, I the easy one is Bama Texas. Um, I think that game's uh, intriguing in a lot of ways. Um, because I think Texas will be a team to, I, I don't want to say look out for, but I think a team that Sark will eventually get turned around. I don't know when that will be. I don't think it's this year, but, um, you know, how, how bad do, do they get dogged by Bama? Like in no, in no world do I think Texas beats them, but uh, what what does that game look like? How does Quinn Ewers look? Um, yeah, so so that that would kind of be the easy one. Um, 
I mean, I, we haven't talked about it yet, but obviously Penn State, Ohio, I'm very interested by. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones you said. Uh, I'm excited for ECU Old Dominion. Uh, that's underrated. I think Texas is going to get washed <clears throat> by Alabama. And then yeah, I agree. Um, excited to also see Northwestern versus Duke. I think Duke could uh, play spoiler for early Northwestern success. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, Washington State at Wisconsin could be pretty interesting. I know Leach isn't at Washington State anymore, and ever since he left there, nobody's really paying much attention to him. Um, but that's pretty interesting. App State at Texas A&M draws some intrigue to me just because we know App State is a team that will scare you. And with Texas A&M not looking, as, not looking very great last week, that's, that might be an upset alert. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I, think, I think A&M has too much talent to, to beat them. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jesus, App State took us to – overtime what right yeah 2018 so you never know right app state is such a it would be i feel i feel like it would be a lot of fun to be an app state fan um because you really don't have expectations you just get to play all these really big programs and (laughs) and possibly be the program that beats them right um but yeah they're they're not going to roll in there and put up 60 some odd points like they did against unc and uh, Alex, you mentioned Penn State, Ohio as a game that you're looking forward to, which obviously all of us listening to this podcast are. Um, but let's dig into that game a little bit here. Ohio, last week, they beat Florida Atlantic 41-38. They had 476 yards uh, passing, or I'm sorry, of, of offense. They gave up 478. <laughs> so... Uh, definitely a pretty uh, a fun game to watch if you watch that game. Um, their quarterback Curtis Rourke, he's been there for a long time. He started there. He started for them for a few years. He he tossed for three forty five and four touchdowns. Um, Penn State is going to have to try to slow down James Bostic. Uh, the connection between Curtis and James there, uh, because he's his favorite target. He had over a hundred yards receiving. Um, so, of course, they're going to throw Joey Porter Jr. on him. Um, but, yeah, slow down Curtis O'Rourke. See what their uh, running back, Bangura, can do. And, um, you know, this is another game to really try to test the running game. I, and I know, you know, you probably hate me saying that. But this is a game – Ohio's defense is very stingy when it comes to running the ball. Um they didn't give up much on the ground. I think they only gave up like 70 or 80 yards. They forced two fumbles. So, you know, obviously it's not a it's not a P5 school, but this is a good game to, you know, have a litmus test for your running for your running game. Yeah, listen, I don't I don't think this is I would never call a game against Ohio a litmus test for anything. Um but this is Whenever Penn State plays those, these cupcake teams, it's it's more about Penn State for me than it is about the other team. Um, and what I mean by that is, is do we handle them the way we should, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Penn State is more talented, the better team in every facet of – in every position, and this game shouldn't be close. But can you – can you get it to the point that we can see Drew for the whole fourth quarter or, or maybe the whole second half? Can your offensive line create push? And can you uh, develop that running game that you were kind of hoping for? Um, the reason I don't say it's a litmus test is because it's Ohio, right? Like if we go and we run for 150 yards and we, you know, we get that 100-yard rusher that everybody's hoping for, um great right but listen i won't be happy with 150 yards rushing well listen i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say i would be thrilled either but i'm but i'm not gonna say oh yeah our running game's fixed because we ran for such and such against ohio right um that's not fixed to me that's just 
you did what you should. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll let Tyler go before I finish the rest because I, I want him to say what he told us earlier. Yeah. I think it's a ugly game. Uh, I think Penn state struggles out of the gate. Like they always do in these types of games. Uh, I think you can look forward to more boring play calling for the first quarter. Uh, I think they'll try and run the ball uh, to a fault to try and stop getting questioned about an 100-yard rusher in the post-game press conferences. Uh, I see the game going probably, I think I said, 38-17. So they win by 21. They don't cover the spread. Uh, and it's a stressful game where Alar probably doesn't get in until the fourth quarter. So everybody's going to say that's crazy. Um, you know, I obviously respect your opinion. I also have been watching Penn State football long enough to see them struggle in the first half against teams they shouldn't, whether it's App State, whether it's Villanova, whether it's whatever, Ball State, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. So I just want to see this fan base implode. If we only put up 38 points against Ohio after putting up 35 against Purdue. By the way, Ohio just gave up 38 to Florida fucking Atlantic. So, yeah, if we put up 38, not only will I be pissed, but I'm sure a lot of the fan base will, and that'll be interesting. Well, well this fan base is already pissed. Um, we won last week. Quarterback threw for 345 yards, four touchdowns. The running back ran for 114 yards on 23 carries. So you should get an early dose of uh, run, which will be interesting to see Penn State versus the Ohio Bobcats running attack. Um, so, yeah. I think there's a lot to look forward to. I think Penn State um, should win the game. Um, they should win by more than 21, but I just don't think that's uh, how it happens because that's usually not how it happens. Yeah, you know, I, I, I do think I, – I think you're going to – I hope, let's say, you're going to see more than 38 points like Tyler thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be pretty disappointed if it's – less than 45 to be honest um granted if if drew comes in in the fourth quarter and you have 38 and drew and the offense does nothing for the fourth quarter then you 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 talk about that right but yeah i i don't think like i said these games against these teams now i think central michigan is a is a different uh animal but we'll get to that later in the year um Against a team like this, I think this is all about Penn State. You know, they always say you see the biggest step in the team from week one to week two. We didn't really see that last year, if we think about it, right? We played Wisconsin, ugly offensive game, one seventeen ten. Then you come the next week and you play Villanova, and you still couldn't run the football against Villanova, and we're like, uh-oh. I think we put up, what, 44 points that game? Um so, yeah, what, what does the step look like? Your offense did score 35 points. I know it doesn't feel like they scored 35 points, but they did somehow. And what what does that look like this week? Another week of practice, actually longer time to prepare for this than, um, than a normal week, right, since we played on a Thursday. Um, you know, I – Penn State should handle this from the get-go. I, I really do, I really hope what Tyler is saying, although I think it is possible, I hope it doesn't come true. Penn State comes out, handles business. We can prop our feet up and watch everybody drool over Alar for, you know, a quarter and a half. I, um, I've been saying for the past few weeks, I have a feeling about this season, um, this team being a very good team. And I'm going to stick with my guns here on that. As Alex just mentioned, you always see the biggest um, jump from a team between week one and week two. That's really when you figure out what team is going to be. Or I I guess the work ethic of the team, I should say. And um, I think this Penn State team is going to come out and. God, man, I, I don't even I don't even want to say it. But I think they're going to go into the high 40s. I want to, I want to say maybe 45, 48. Give up maybe 17. Um, that That's kind of what I'm feeling right now. There's definitely some things to fix from last week. 
but I'm just going based off of you scored 35 against Purdue. You should score more than that against Ohio. And I'm counting on this team to take a step forward with the extra days. I'm counting on this team to take a step forward here. So I'm going to say 48-17 as my score prediction. Well, and let's let's go back to um, this this Purdue game for, for a minute because I think we missed a group that we should talk about, um, and that's the O-line. I know Tyler – I don't know if we were recording at the time. I know Tyler mentioned Caden Wallace. Um, so, so yeah, let, let's talk about that offensive line play a little bit. I know we're kind of towards the end of the, of the pod here, but I think it's worth talking about because I think it'll be interesting to see how this offensive line plays on Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll give my thoughts first. I didn't think the offensive line played terrible. Um, I'm not saying they were great. Um, gave up some pressures. I don't know how many exactly. I think they gave up two sacks the whole game. Not they gave direct- up one. Was it one? Okay, I yeah. thought maybe it was two. But uh, so that's not terrible, right? Not a lot of sacks. I know Sean had to. There was a couple of throws he had to throw off his back foot because of pressure. A couple times he had to roll out. Um, but overall, I thought the offensive line was decent. Um, I thought Olu Fashanu was great. I, I don't remember him, and I could be wrong. I don't remember him really giving up a pressure. Um, I thought it was interesting how they rotated Hunter and Tengwa. Um, Juice was pretty solid at center, I thought. Sal Wormley uh, had a couple issues here and there, but overall I thought he played well. Caden Wallace, no disrespect, but he looks lost. Like, he's just, you know, he's a – this is his third year out there, right? Um, he just doesn't look like he's getting it. Um, so I don't. I thought. I thought the. I thought that right side looked better when Efner came in to, to play that right tackle position. So, we'll see what happens there. But, but yeah, what what did you guys think of, of the O line? Um, I think, I think the offensive line showed some progress in run in the run offense. I mm-hmm. I agree with Aaron that that some of the holes are there and they're just not hitting them. Um I would also agree that Bryce Efner is a better solution than Caden. Um I'm sure Caden will play because uh, that's kind of how it goes. Um but I, I just don't I, I don't know how to assess it. You know, I, I think you know, there were some times, you know, I know I talked to Alex about this uh, the other day. Uh, I thought that they, Sean Andrew, the little, you know, action he did get, did a better job. Instead of escaping right to left, they stepped up into the pocket when defenders got pushed upfield. Um, and I think that that helps us in a variety of ways. Uh, I think the offensive line this year hopefully does more of that and just letting them run upfield so that Sean or Drew or whoever's in there can just step up into the pocket. Um, I think the pass protection was good. I really do. Uh, I think um, sometimes I think Sean might have honestly let the ball out a little too quick, uh, to be honest, instead of letting it develop. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but it's hard. It's, it's hard to, to really decide, you know, what you thought of them after Ohio or um, Purdue. You know what I mean? It's, um, there were some times when the 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 uh, run run blocking was terrible. You know, uh, thankfully Purdue didn't really run a lot of stunts because you know we haven't seen what Penn State twenty twenty two does with a stunt yet. Um, Rewatching the game, they did pick up some. It was in pass protection. They did pick up some. So I, I just I did think seeing Wormley get out, you know, get out and pull and be effective there. That was a good thing to see. Um, he's out in front of the running back. He's downfield blocking. I thought the tight end blocking was honestly much improved in my opinion. Um, from last year, last year, I felt like our tight ends were just kind of tapping them and then, you know, seeing whatever comes next. Um, but that, I, I that's my assessment. I, I look forward to looking into it more, uh, in the Ohio game. I just, I would love to see Efner start over Wallace. I really would. Um, and I, I would like to see, 
Um, Norris had played some more as well. I don't think Landon did a terrible job, um, but I, I want to see him play as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, put, put after in there. I'd like to see more. Like I mentioned earlier, this game was a feel-it-out sort of thing, mm-hmm. and the norzad Tangwall situation is exactly that. Uh, they actually kind of hinted that hinted towards that a few times in during fall camp. So I do want to see some more of that because obviously I, I have high hopes for Tangwall and Norzad coming in. There's high hopes for him as well. So I want to see more rotation there. Really, really figure out who's going to be it at that other guard position. Yeah. But I agree with you guys. <laughs> Efner needs to be the other tackle, and that's it. Just, just end it there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe give Caden this Ohio game. Say, all right, go figure it out. If you don't, well, history, it's Efner. History tells us that's not going to be the case. I mean, we can hope for that, right? But that's that's probably not going to happen. Caden will most likely be the starter for the whole year, no matter what he performs like. Um, considering Rashid Walker played all last year and Mike Miranda played all last year and Eric Wilson played all last year, except when they had the flu and couldn't play. Um, yeah, all of them played. Uh, so so we can hope, but I don't want Penn, stands, Penn, Penn, stands, Penn State fans to get a false sense of hope because history tells us that won't happen. Yeah. And that is going to put an end to today's episode. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find the podcast. We really appreciate the feedback. And uh, make sure you share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at NittanyPod. And uh, we look forward to having ourselves a good weekend here against Ohio. Take care and we are.